Welcome to the Talent of Fashion podcast, where we're passionate about sharing wisdom from across the industry and creating community. Hosted by our co-founders, Joe Roberts and Johnny Tucker. Welcome back to part two of our discussion with Dr. Cynthia Chapman in the Comeback series. You can go find part one of this discussion in the show episodes, number six, where you'll be able to hear a lot about the journey of my co-founder, Joe Roberts, and the challenges he had to face jumping into entrepreneurship, building technology, raising funding, and business development, and much more. And we hope that you'll be encouraged and find hope in that. Today, you'll be listening to much more of Dr. Cynthia Chapman share wisdom of her 20-plus years experience. So we hope this blesses you, and we thank you for tuning in to the TOF Sessions podcast. Maybe this is where we talk a little bit about Cynthia's background. And exactly. And I, I think that's a perfect kind of segue yeah. into just kind of hearing a little bit about you, about your background, mm-hmm. and, um, and then maybe we can jump into some of the wisdom um, sure. that you might have to share with everyone. Well, I'm a clinical psychologist, yeah, and I've been in practice for um, 20 years and, wow. and working specifically on anxiety and depression. Those are the things that are, you know, the things I specialize in and really love to work with because especially anxiety, you see such um, transformation, you know, you see people coming from a place of just feeling awful, so scared to, you know, being liberated from it and joy and being, you know, kind of back to living their life, you know, kind of to the fullest. So that's what I really love about it. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, so in addition to uh, the work that I do in psychology and, and just the, you know, the doctorate in psychology that I have, I also have a master's in uh, Christian leadership, which is the integration of psychology and theology. So for those who are interested in faith and integrating that, I'm happy to do that. And also if they have different spiritual backgrounds as well, you know, kind of thoughtfully integrating and respectfully doing that as well, integrating that because that's another resource for people to really utilize in their lives. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, very honestly, I wouldn't have imagined 20 years of anything, doing anything. You, you, <laughs> you look so young and um, vibrant. That, that no one should at any age. <laughs> Thank but, you. Um, I Thank wouldn't you. have guessed that. So, um, and congratulations on having the like a successful practice and one that does incorporate people's like foundation, mm-hmm. right? Which is your faith is your foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's incredible. That that's a approach you take. Kind of speaking to our audience, it's it's this lie of performance, right? Mm-hmm. Performance, 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 and how how that can get us tangled up. Um, how do you tackle that like balance of performance in a healthy way? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, performance is great, right? We need that. That's part of us that creates challenge, um, solves problems. It's exciting, you know, and it makes you feel good and you feel rewarded. So. That is great to have in your life. Um, it's when it gets overemphasized at, to the, at the cost of other aspects of your life that it becomes, you know, problematic. So, you know, how do you keep it in balance? Well, there's, I think a huge part of it is reminding yourself that your worth is stable and your achievement and performance can go up and down, but your worth is always the same. But a lot of times, unfortunately, when a lot of people come in, they have merged the two. It's like, if my achievement is high, then my worth is high, mm-hmm. you know? And so separating those two, that my achievement can go up and down, but my worth is stable. And of course, reminding yourself, like, where where do you get your worth, you know? Um, 
you could be from God, you know, hey, I'm just intrinsically made of, of value, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at things like plants and pets and even and babies, you know, they're not achieving a lot, right? But their worth is amazing. You know, we, we wouldn't trade them for anything, you know. Um, right. So, yeah, so that, I think that's important to, to remember. And uh, looking at performance and things is challenges um, and exciting as opposed to this is a test of my worth. So I think that's a huge piece to kind of mm-hmm. keep in mind. No, that's a good, that's a good word. I think um, sometimes when you're so performance driven, you'll also drag in a lot of stuff that actually has nothing to do with performance or achieving. Just to, just to, just because ev- now you see everything as a box you have to tick. Yes. You know, and it can turn, that can t- be overwhelming too, right? right? Yeah, because if you perform, then I'm good. Check the box. Yeah. Right? And, and there is uh, very much of an all or nothing thinking. Like, if I do this, then I'm all good. And if I miss the ideal, then, well, if there's only two boxes you can check, either good or bad, well, if it's not good or perfect, then the only other box to check is bad. So. Also thinking in shades of gray, you know, kind of looking at what you have done, what you've gained, the good in that. Um, so th- that means scaling back from perfectionism. Perfectionism yeah. is a huge part of that can interfere and create a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. It's really correlated with depression and suicide, you know, with, when there's perfectionism going on. So we want to definitely get, get a handle on that, control them. And are there signs? That I'm that I'm that I'm in like risk of taking of like like there's boundaries to all this mm-hmm. too, right? Like mm-hmm. you said, there's gray between the white and the black. There's gray, which I think is a great mm-hmm. um, perspective to look at because I'm in much of a performance-driven mindset too. Where at the end of the day, I love nothing more than to look back and be like, okay, do this, 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 this. <laughs> but then I also sometimes look at things like simple things that people don't do, and I get. I just do them for them, or I get irritated that they're not getting done, so I'll do them, and then, like, it'll give me that feeling of accomplishment, but at what point am I, am I at, in jeopardy of then only, only being, like, performance or perfection-driven? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, signs I think it's, signs is that the other parts of your life are being underrepresented. You know, if you look at your life as, like, a, um, a bike wheel like you know and it's got the different spokes and stuff and in order for it to maintain appropriate you know pressure all around it has to have all the different spokes which just had three you know or one you know work you know kind of yeah. if you looked at it, that metaphor it's just work is just overrepresented you know um, then it's not going to hold appropriately you know and it'll collapse on itself you need to have personal um, growth pleasure accomplishment you need to have relationships you need to have community downtime you know just relaxation and freedom to just be you know without any pressure um are you taking care of spirituality you know and that component of your life physical you know so that whole when it gets over one area is overrepresented then you know other things are going to suffer because can you you understand why i love this woman yeah no she's (laughs) incredible I, i thought i was going to bring her this Texas Twister Storm, and uh, I think one of the great things about you too, Cynthia, is you're not alarmed by it. While it, while if anyone's out there dealing with anxiety or depression or panic attacks, uh, and you're kind of like, why me? Mm-hmm. This 
this kind of feeling that you're alone. Um, that's not the truth. You see this all the time mm-hmm. and you handle this. And that's mm-hmm. probably where a lot of your peace came from is you've helped so many people get through this. Can you tell us why we think maybe we're alone in it sometimes? Yeah, I, I, everyone feels that they're very unique in it. Most everyone comes in and is like, oh my gosh, but but you, they're almost convincing you. This is really how strange I am. This is, look what I'm doing, you know. <laughs> Nobody's does this, you know. Yeah. And I, I start off by telling them, no, I mean, people have thoughts of this and these extreme things and, you know, um, I think you know, part of it is because, we, think about it, when you're anxious, you feel kind of ashamed of yeah. that and you keep it in. And you're not going around with a sign, hey, I'm dealing with anxiety, how about you, you know? Yeah, 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 you're hiding it. And that shame keeps you quiet, so you're not talking with people. And then realizing that, you know, 95% of people at the moment are having some level, some form of anxiety, you know, and that they're going, yeah, me too, me too, oh yeah. And so if everyone has it, um, to some extent, how strange is it? We won't feel that strange. Mm. And, but people, shame and anxiety keeps you kind of quiet and to yourself. So making it more likely that you feel very strange, different from everyone else and just kind of weird, you know? Yeah. So. And it's one of the things I, I think I kept a lot from you, Johnny, um, in the, you know, mental health struggles or dealing with emotions. And um, I think maybe there might be maybe two people in this world that I actually spoke to Mm. about that Mm -hmm. um cynthia can you explain how somebody can experience panic attacks or how how that builds or how our minds can develop that kind of background music Mm -hmm. it usually comes um panic attacks people's first panic attacks usually comes in times when there's been a period of you know uh stress prior to that at least three months before that people have been feeling a lot of stress and pressure and um and then there's been, for a lot of people with dealing with anxiety, there's that tendency to kind of push that to the background or off, you know, um, mm-hmm. and not want to think about it. It makes us very sensitive. We're pushing back off our, the need to pay attention to certain things that we need to do or take care of. And, but no, I'm focused on what I have to do, what I should do. Right. right? And uh, so we're not take, we push harder to kind of keep working and pushing through and making things happen because you know, in a, it's a compliment in a way that people who deal with anxiety are usually really nice people and they're usually high achievers. You know, it's kind of the recipe. We, we call it the nice person disease <laughs> because, you know, they are working hard they, of what they should be doing and, and usually they're trying to um, live up and please and, and you know, um, do what, what others expect mm-hmm. and, you know, to, of them and their own needs get on the back burner. Yeah. But anyway, so there's, that's kind of the, the sort of the background and then what happens is it gets sort of channeled into a physical fear of a physical sensation like uh oh you have the first there's a little bit of a chain of events that happens you have a a triggering um physical sensation maybe you notice the beginning of a little aura someone notices the respiration especially right now people are really concerned with their what's happening with my is my breathing okay mm-hmm. you know and then when that happens there's an um an automatic thought that goes uh oh danger which creates feelings of anxiety which tells you know your pituitary tells your adrenals to secrete adrenaline and cortisol and then that activates all these physical sensations you feel jittery shaky difficulty concentrating you're scanning you're looking for danger Mm -hmm. you want to escape you know and then as you focus on that because you're like what's going on this is strange the more you get scared so the more 
they intensify. The more cortisol and adrenaline gets secreted, and then the more those sensations, you know, escalate. And as you're focusing on it, you go, you're trying to, in your own mind, trying to figure out what's the solution to this? What, what's the problem? What's, what's, why is this occurring? And so then you, you uh, we call, have a, mis, uh, a catastrophic misinterpretation of those sensations. What you end up saying is, oh my gosh, if this continues, if, if I don't get help, meds escape, then I'm going to pass out have a heart attack, die, go crazy. So the fear is this, you know, that you're going to have either physical death or some kind of social death. Hey, I'm in a meeting. Oh my gosh, what if I freak out right now? You know? <laughs> and I you know, this is the end of the deal, right? Yeah. Or something like that. So that then continues that cycle, that vicious cycle of anxiety as you're having this image of you losing it, going away to a mental hospital or something like that or dying at the moment. So that's and then Fast forward, you get out of that situation. Now you're afraid of any little sensation. Now you're scanning your body at all times to see if there's anything that potentially is gonna trigger that again. Mm -hmm. So that's how it becomes a panic attack. Now you're fearful of any sensation and you're constantly scanning just to make sure that you're not, you know, having some, some beginning of um, panic again. Yeah, well, I gotta just share one moment is, yeah. I was having these panic attacks on the train up to Los Angeles and um, I just think there, there's humor in this part, but I was coming back from Los Angeles and I'm sitting next to the window because I got to get my space, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're working through this. I had just met you. And uh, a Hell's Angel sits right next to me, at least 350 pounds, <laughs> and tells me, <laughs> I just left a great meeting in Los Angeles. He, he's like, yeah, I just got out of prison. Um, a Hell's Angel who just got out of prison, all tatted up. He jacked the middle uh, armrest from me, just totally owned me on the armrest. And he smelled like a, a, a 24 pack of Marble Reds ashtray. And I remember one of those moments like, why God? Why did a Hell's Angel doing 10 years in prison need to sit next to me on the train? And I remember getting up and at that time, Cynthia had given me some tools to get through it and to, and to take over my mind and to get through it. So I got up, took some deep breaths, but... I can laugh about it now, yeah, but yeah. back to your point about overcoming these things and where they come from, once you're kind of given the knowledge of where does this stuff come from mm -hmm. and intercept it mm -hmm. versus being a victim, that was powerful for me. Yeah. But yeah. I did go back and sit next to the Hell's Angel guy because you said Very don't good. avoid it. You that's said, right. You said don't avoid that's it, Joe. That's right. Because the more, that's right, Joe. I remember you did that and that was great because that that is the the solution one of the solutions to overcoming is instead of avoiding which your anxiety goes down when you avoid something right but your fear of that situation will grow yeah and so and then making your world smaller and smaller which is so opposite of what you know, we want to do we want to make our world bigger and we want to which when you were doing your best and what i can tell for entrepreneurs that they're definitely like you know what if this happens this is how i'll figure it out as opposed to when anxiety mind takes over, it's like, wait, how can I make sure the, the world is safe before I go out into it? Because you know, mm -hmm. what if, what if, you know? And so I wanna think of every possible scenario and have a, a you know, a protocol or a solution to it before I even encounter it. Right. Which is, that's the anxiety mind, where the, the more overcoming mind is definitely like, you know what, I don't know, but I know I have the skills to handle whatever happens, or I'll figure it out, or I'll get some tools to deal with it or I get some support, you know, to, to face it. So yeah, that's good. She, she talks about that. What if mind is a sign, Yeah, mm -hmm. which I think is one of your questions is what is a telltale sign? Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. 
and you kind of you you kind of walked us through some of those um, signs. But once you have those signs, or once you've kind of acknowledged you have, you know, are, are experiencing some of these issues. Actually, am I okay to call them issues? Actually, just you, opportunities, you? issues. Okay, yeah. You don't have to be PC here. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, and just because in like all respects, it's like, what? Well, what is an issue if it becomes a blessing? Like yeah. at the end of the day, like you went through all that, but now look at you mm-hmm. with the state of the world and what it's in, mm-hmm. and the state of our businesses and what we had to go through these last three or four months. I mean, I can't imagine if you didn't go through that and didn't have probably some of the um, uh, learning, tools. yeah, mm-hmm. tools mm-hmm. that you had from sitting with uh, Cynthia that you would would be as you know as cool as as you've been the last few months and leading yeah. our companies. I'm on, on a tranquilizer so, right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. no, but to your point, um, the adversity is is a gift, and so if there's people out there feeling that or constantly in the what if war zone or um, sensing some things triggering you in this conversation, it'll end up being a gift on the other side of it. So I mm-hmm. can, I think, before we get into more questions, just reaffirming that this can be a potentially great gift for you when you work through it and do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so, so identified. What, what, what now? How do I do? I do I go straight to find a. a Well, you know, just to back up, we we talked about the symptoms and the, you know, the signs of like a a panic attack, for example, Mm -hmm. but, you know, there could be many different kinds of anxieties, right? Right. So one of them, like a generalized anxiety is when you find yourself like just having excessive anxiety and worry um, about a lot of different things. It could be your own life, health, it could be kids, work, you know. So you find yourself just really worried about a lot of things, more days than not, and you're having a difficult time controlling it. Like you can't make it stop. It's like it keeps coming and and then maybe you're having problems with feeling restless, uh, just kind of keyed up on edge, feeling like that all the time. and. Uh, fatigued really easy you're not maybe doing a lot but there's such emotional uh you know stress and mental energy that's going on that you're just fatigued and there can be difficulty concentrating your mind's going blank uh you feel irritable a lot of people feel irritable with that's a sign of depression or anxiety sometimes um more men tend to feel like you know angry frustrated they they may not always feel sad or whatever Mm -hmm. but um muscle tension that's one of them and difficulty with sleeping, you know, so either you have insomnia or just, you know, you wake up early in the morning, restless sleep. So those are kind of signs that you're dealing with generalized anxiety. And um, so that's kind of different from other anxiety disorders, which have to do with more like PTSD after a trauma. <clears throat> or if you're worried about just a health issue, you know, like I'm worried that I have a medical condition or something, that's, that's a different kind of anxiety disorder, but it's hypochondriasis. Um, and then there's, you know, OCD when you're having a thought that's just persistent and then you have, um, feel compelled to do certain things or avoid certain things. Um, and then there's relationship anxieties, right? So people fearful of being in, in public situations, feel like they're going to make a fool of themselves. So those are just a few of the mm-hmm. kind of types of anxieties out there. So depending on, and oftentimes people, the research is that people have two or three, um, anxiety disorders at the same time, a lot of times. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I could I could imagine that one would even give way to creating another one if you don't yes. like you said if you don't take that's action right. like mm-hmm. you said and that's probably why you like you said take action 
Well, the mindset, the mindset is very, you know, similar. So it makes it very, very open to kind of uh, to be vulnerable to those things, right? So we want to work on the mindset, changing the mindset on how uh, to improve ourselves. And should we go ahead and sign up for another bundle of sessions? <laughs> <right now? laughs> You're welcome to. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm like the whole time I'm talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. things I make you go. To, hmm, yeah. yeah, it's normalizing that. You know, people are going to get faced. They're, they're going to face a challenge, and you yeah. can get through it. It doesn't have to be taboo. That's You're right. not alone. Yeah. I think with this pandemic and the retail business, fashion taking just a black eye, mm-hmm. the fact is there's going to be a lot of people who need help. You know? Yeah, and what what's funny is when you say PTSD mm-hmm. from, like, as far back as I can remember, I've always equated that to like someone going to war yeah mm-hmm. like i feel like in america we've, we've kind of we've given that title to like veterans yes and i think retail has a lot of ptsd mm-hmm. uh, from like not getting the promotion mm-hmm. that you felt was like yours and you worked hard for to being laid off because business isn't going well to the 2008 kind of like huge you know re- like recession retail wise to now is that going to happen again with what's happening right now with the with covid um to you know not being able to figure out the solution to these you know to like clienteling or the million dollar client mm-hmm. book and now everything's moving digital so is that actually going to work because it didn't work before like that ptsd aspect like really when you said that like it just like rang a bell i feel like a lot of people in retail um, and I feel like that can be some somewhat of a hindrance in terms of them, right? Does it like it can hinder you from actually being as successful as as you probably have potential to be? Absolutely. Well, and to your point is that you know a traumatic event can be it could be an assault, it could be war, but it also could be a, a situation when you feel completely helpless, mm-hmm. you know, and you're fearful, and so a lot of times people are like, you know people children people who are adults who've had like you know um, sexual abuse or something like that you know they were very helpless and felt very powerless in those things where or you see someone else in a situation where you feel like wow i was powerless to help them too you know so and i imagine when people feel like they're losing their work they're losing their potentially their homes or their livelihood or something like that where that could absolutely fit fit the criteria yeah yeah because you give up 10 years of your life and and then it gets taken from you you know in terms of like your position yes that can be leave you very vulnerable Mm -hmm. or not feeling like and if you are a performance driven person then you feel like it's your fault so what did i not do good enough Mm -hmm. and you fall into that trap okay so we've identified the different forms of anxiety and i'm i'm feeling like i've even identified a couple of my own Mm -hmm. (laughs) what's next for me (laughs) well i think you know you, you mentioned something about the negative thoughts that we have, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's really key. And it's how we think um, that really affects how we end up feeling and how then we behave, right? So because this is going to sound maybe a little controversial to some people, but situations don't make you feel a certain way. What they do, because if that was true, if a situation made you feel a certain way, then everyone given situation A you know, um, loss of a job would feel the exact same way. But we know that people who have lost a job, you know, some people are uh, relieved. Some people are maybe are a little excited, kind of like, hey, new, new start. 
from, you know, and some people maybe are angry. How dare they do that to me? I've been there forever, you know. Um, and some people could be really depressed or fearful, you know, if they're telling themselves, see, I'm worthless. I mean, they, it kind of shows that I can't do what I wanted to do. Or um, with the anxiety, it could be like, uh, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose everything. You know, I have no. So, you know, we know that people have different reactions to everything, depending on how you think about it. The person who maybe is a little bit, a little anxious, but a little bit excited is like, you know what? I, I've wanted to leave that. I remember when I got laid off, you know, from a job when I, uh, kind of early on in my career, I was working for um, a, a group, do a contracting group that worked for the county, and they do these layoffs, you know, a lot of times. And I got laid off, and I was like, first I was a little anxious, but then I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to start my private practice and that was like you know what I'm kind of glad because I don't know that I would have jumped out and done it right then and there you know but this is a perfect time you know it's like yeah. get the fire going and just and started doing that so situations don't necessarily make you feel a certain way because we know people who have had a breakup uh, you know I mentioned the job we've had different people who have uh, you know maybe um, like a interaction that doesn't go well with a friend everyone has a different reaction so it's how they think about it what they tell themselves and when we're anxious we're definitely focused on danger um, feeling vulnerable and not having the skills to handle that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the the you know the the solution to that is like hey okay are there solutions how what skills can I gain is this really dangerous you know and so we start shifting the mind we, we question kind of the internal dialogue that we, we have going on. And because a lot of times we don't question it. We just hear this negative thought. We have thousands of thoughts and we just kind of run with them without challenging them at all. Yeah, right? that's, that's such a great thought, you know, because I, my mind immediately went to people that play small or go small. Or they've told themselves so many times that they're not smart enough, yeah. they're not beautiful enough, um, they're not wise enough, it'll never work for me. I was on the other end of the uh, spectrum. <laughs> uh, we're going to be successful. Yeah. We're going to raise money. And that maybe allowed me to take the leap of faith. But on the flip side, if someone's dealing with anxiety and all they are are fear-based, I would imagine they would possibly could get in a trap of playing small their whole life mm. if it's not challenged, mm -hmm. this thought process. Yes. Is that... Am I, am I kind of correctly establishing a train of thought that can happen to people is they, they fear so they go real small in their career or they don't ever go for their dream job or, or the vision of themselves never comes to pass because it's really a fear-based conversation they're having with themselves. Can that happen? Yeah, absolutely. That's the inner dialogue is very much focused on the danger, how it's not going to work, the worst case scenarios. And it's not, and you know, I got to stop and say that those are all grounded in really beautiful and awesome qualities about them actually we we think well how is that good to kind of think to yourself like i can't do this i don't want to make a fool of myself i'm going to fail i'm not going to be able to support myself what's good behind that well actually there is a lot of beauty behind that because it says that they care about taking care of their family it says they want to provide sounds like they also want to appear and present themselves as capable and competent right that's what's hidden behind there if they're right. like fearful that they're not going to do this what's motivating that's beautiful and awesome um, is those really beautiful qualities and that's the work in the work that i do i definitely first enhance the good we look at the good you know but we also kind of look at skills to combat that negative thinking so yeah. i want people to know that you know don't 
maybe right now you feel really ashamed and, and scared and, and bad and feeling bad about having anxiety or depression or something like that but there's really it's motivated by really beautiful and awesome qualities wow. about who you are otherwise you wouldn't be probably even concerned about those things mm-hmm. right the person that goes out there and is feeling like oh my gosh I don't want to you know um, say the right wrong thing to somebody so they have like a social anxiety you know it, you know behind that is that they actually care about the other person and not hurting them they're probably sensitive you know they probably have an emotional intelligence as opposed to the person who goes I don't really care what I say and if it offends someone, right? That's yeah. not really a beautiful quality, you know? For right. you guys out there, stop doing that. was <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's me. So yeah. as, as okay. we're winding down time, we'd love to ask a couple more questions that just kind of pertain more to, to the professional side yeah. of, of, the, of how we think and how we mentally operate. Um, how much of, I guess, how, are, you set, are you better set up if you feel like your professional... Um, career or or like the job you work for if you have an alignment of like your purpose or passion is aligned with your professional endeavor yeah um that is such a great question because you know the research on happiness is that those who have purpose and pleasure in their life are the happiest you know so having a sense of purpose and you know kind of aligning with you may not even really enjoy the actual work that you do. It may not be the most fascinating thing to you, but what they found out, and they did research with people who were doing, you know, all kinds of work, but specifically they were focused on, like, you know, like uh, hairstylists and, like, some people who were doing maintenance and janitorial work, and they found that those who really had a sense of purpose in what they did enjoyed it as much as people doing, you know, you know things that had extensive degrees and things like that because it's really about I felt purposeful I feel like what I'm doing is connecting with people I'm um, you know hey my job is to be there and encourage others or to listen and to to make them feel like they matter so having a sense of purpose is really huge you know I think you know feeling like beyond what I'm doing at the moment how am I connecting with others how do I feel like maybe it's even also hey I'm able to bring home and provide for my family or I'm contributing to something good, you know, in this organization or something like that. So, you know, that's definitely important. Yeah, and I feel like retail's really fought for that lately is to try and um, be able to better communicate their values. Well, and even have values, right? Like there's a long time where it's like stores like BB, like there's, I shouldn't say, I I shouldn't name any stores because I honestly don't necessarily know them well enough to say this but there's a lot of stores that seem like they came into the fashion world to just make a buck or um you know deliver the creative side of fashion but there wasn't a deeper rooted purpose Mm. but what i'm hearing is you can still find your purpose within what you find meaningful in a company Mm -hmm. so that's 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 a great word um and then is the kind of the the jolt of of this now like COVID um, work from home and or like you're in the office but you have to be you know like you're you're kind of in the back of your head thinking like the the setup of the work does that have anything like do you feel like that there's risk there for people feeling like um, like managing their 
mental thought process around that of how to approach work now that we're either at home when we were in the office and how do you balance productivity there in your mind? Yeah, well, as, as you recall, you know, um, I was just saying that situations don't force us to feel a certain way, but if we allow a certain mindset, um, like if you focus on like, oh, if you're working at home and you are like, I am so alone, this is boring, I don't like it, you know, you're definitely going to enhance it. Whatever you focus on, you amplify. So mm-hmm. you're going to just make right. that bigger in your life. But, you know, what we want to move from it, from the sort of just passively receiving that to what can I do now? What now, right? You know, so if that is a problem for you, um, whatever the problem is for you or you find the difficulty in being at home, then find, you know, maybe look to if you don't have the solution, start asking. Maybe survey friends and family and be like, hey, how do I connect with people? You know, if my problem is to be alone, how do I connect? Um, how do I, can I make it more fun or exciting? So look at it as a, p- a potential to be curious about what the solutions might be. Yeah. So, so that if, if you have a challenge or if you, because you know, not everyone dislikes being at home. Some people that some of my clients that have been the introverts are like, you doing okay with this whole pandemic? But you know, I gotta tell you, this is the best time of my life, you know, because <laughs> I love it. You know, I don't have to go anywhere and yeah. things like that. But some people are, you know, the extroverts are like, this is really tough. I want to be with people. I want to connect. You know, some of the the things that you walked me through, you you were highlighting like what's really behind this, the deeper meanings. Sometimes we stay top level. Mm-hmm. We don't dig enough. You helped me learn how to. I'm an expert digger now. You've helped me learn how to dig what's behind my feelings or what's behind why I'm feeling a certain way. Which I just like to just glide past. I don't really typically like to go there. Um, but you, you had. I remember putting a phone call to you. Like, what do I need to do? Do I get give me the anti uh, anxiety medication? And your <laughs> words to me were, Joe, just give me a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was so empowering because I was on my way to CVS because I need to get back to work. That's I need right. to I need to live life again. Yeah. I could barely even read three text messages without feeling overwhelmed. I mean, you carried yeah. the weight I remember for that. everything. Yeah. Yeah. You carried the weight for like three months. I couldn't even respond to people on a text message. Yeah. And we were, me and my wife were getting ready and Jamie's like, I think you got this. I called you. I trust my wife, but I wanted a second opinion. I wanted a co-signer, and you said, Joe, give me a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Let's work through this together. Mm-hmm. And you taught me the art of renewing your mind, mm-hmm. which I always thought was this kind of cliche term. And I'm like, renewing? I don't even know what my mind is right now. And you said, hold on the medication, which I'm not saying don't take medication. This is not, this is not me saying that, but I was in a dark place. I wanted to run to help. Mm-hmm. I thought medication was the help. And a lot of people are on that, right? Mm-hmm. And and you said, Joe, give me a few weeks. And I thought, boom, that's my sword. That's my shield. Like, that was immediate. That really strengthened me to think, okay, we can get through this. Can you give them, the audience, kind of uh, some of those best practices, maybe not a full, uh, like, uh, lecture on how to overcome anxiety, but a few different pieces that you walked me through so possibly they can get started or understand the process of overcoming and renewing your mind? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I love that question. There's um, so much to it. And yeah, I mean, overcoming anxiety, I think one of the biggest things is just uh, a huge thing in, re- in renewing your mind and kind of, as I said earlier, whatever you focus on, you amplify. So if we're focused in, which anxiety, everything in your body is is activated to focus on danger so that you can escape it, that you can avoid it and, and, and survive, right? So it's a the survival mechanism that I feel like, you know, has been given to us. Um, and um, 
but you know when we stay in that just survival focus we're just focusing on the danger and we heighten that anxiety so what we want to do is and then we also want to resist it we don't like that feeling right we want to fight it um, so how what we want to do is we want to allow it to happen and we want to instead of fight it we want to just kind of allow that the anxiety to be there we want to sort of watch it a little bit detached from it and continue to go about life focusing outside of yourself and your the physical sensations you're feeling and you want to continue to repeat that's those steps continue to accept it just watch it you know continue doing what you're doing and get out there in the world because as you're focusing outside of yourself you're creating the neural pathways that are focused on other things in danger right so when we're focused on danger our mind is geared to focusing on everything that's dangerous and we get so sensitive that we can i mean a lot of my clients right notice any little sensation that they're feeling heart flutter breath change you know tightness pain and that is the, the signal right so that you get really heightened to that and and focus in on that so because whatever you're thinking about creates neural neural pathways you're creating a super highway of neural connections in your brain and you incline your brain to default to that so what do i want my brain to incline to to danger right or do i want it to hey that i can overcome that i can solve problems that life is good that i'm generally safe right now and okay so you're saying i built that potentially and i can unbuild that that's right so tell me about isn't that exciting so i i i kind of trained myself to be anxious so that gives me hope, right? If mm-hmm. I can do it, then I can do something else. That's right. Renewing my mind. Can you go into that kind of hero statement? I, th- I felt for me it was like the that was a hero statement. Isn't that ho- that's very hopeful? I think right. It's yeah. power empowering. Is that that yeah? If I helped you know direct and have my mind default to the anxious state, then the logical conclusion is also that we can use our brain to change our mind you know, or change our mind, use our mind to change our brain, should say, like the actual structure of it. The mind is making the choice like, okay, I'm going to focus on um, that I'm okay and I'm safe right at this moment, that I can have, there are solutions, that there are safety nets, because danger is, you know, anxiety is telling you this is not going to go well, this is the worst case scenario, you're going to, you know, you're going to fail, you're going to die you're going to do you know these kinds of you know very dramatic things so we definitely want to focus on what is good um true because a lot of anxiety is about false you know statements and um we want to focus and challenge that and when and the beautiful thing is that when we begin to challenge it we start defaulting to that way our mind starts going to okay like with one simple question is like is there any evidence that counteracts this this negative thought that I'm having. And just that very thing inclines your brain, even if you don't think of anything right at the moment, it inclines your brain to start thinking and activating that part of your brain. So if you look at it, one side is like, you know, on steroids and this is a giant bodybuilder, the other side is like a, you know, weakling, 90 pound weakling holding a brick, as Chris Rock likes to say. <laughs> you know, so just the idea is that we want to strengthen that other side. Yeah, yeah. and it's possible. Absolutely. And you could do it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I um, I want to just lean into is, I think the term is called neuroplasticity, yes. right? Yes. I probably won't say it again correctly on this podcast, but <laughs> um, the fact that you can, you can change the way you think mm-hmm. and that you're not a victim of your brain or what you've trained yourself in terms of the negative habits or the negative thoughts that you can retrain and overcome. 
And I think this has been a great message on overcoming um, because you can have a lot of goals in life. You can have a lot of wishes or desires Mm -hmm. or resolutions, but if you can't get out of your own mind or can't overcome, maybe the worst narrative is you or maybe the worst critic is you. Mm -hmm. And so you helped me get through that. I want to thank you. It was Mm. was a wonderful session. You told me a lot of great things about me. I never knew. (laughs) But we also dealt with some, some like serious we dealt with some things that I was probably should have gotten to a lot longer. Mm. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or, or get some resources, yep. um, if they if they want a few weeks with Cynthia, mm-hmm. maybe we can call it sessions with Cynthia. <laughs> um, if, if people want to get started and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to take this time to correct some thought processors. Or there's a few things that were highlighted in that that... I feel maybe they're talking to me. Mm-hmm. How do they get in touch with you? Or how do they get in touch with the right type of, of therapist or counselor? Mm-hmm. Um, and what should they be doing? What should they be walking away from this conversation attempting to do? Yeah, well, I mean, they can always reach out to me. And um, my website is mycognitivetherapy.com. Um, and uh, you can also just research uh, Cynthia Chapman, PsyD, uh, or clinical psychologist. That will pop up. But um and you can reach me that way. You can see my website. You can, I started a new little YouTube channel where, um, so it's Cynthia Chapman, where you can kind of see I, I've had some practices on uh, rewiring your brain, uh, dealing with anxiety and depression, different things like that. So, those videos are great, by yeah, the way. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go check them out. <laughs> you know, it's a trial and error. As you're learning, that anxiety comes with, hey, can I do this? But hey, you just do it and you, you fa- face the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. So, learning to get better as I go. One last thing, too, Cynthia, is, I, and we'll put those in the show notes, is yeah. um, if, if someone goes to the doctor and talks about anxiety, it's mm-hmm. very different than going to potentially a therapist mm-hmm. where a doctor may not know exactly what to do or he may prescribe medication versus, uh, which happened to me, right? Yeah. So, hey, I don't know what this guy's talking about. I'm going to throw him some stuff. Versus coming to you, it was do the work. Let's do some mental work. Can you tell me about the differences in that and why yeah. we should maybe pursue someone like you? Well, yeah, definitely. The medical model says there is some kind of chemical imbalance, which is a theory that isn't really uh, supported by research. But um, you know, that'll get some kind of flack there. Probably it's a little controversial. But, you know, the idea is that, um, y- you know, there's a difference between if there's a biological, the medical model says there's a biological thing, so take a medication, whereas we in the field of psychology say, hey, you know, is this related to how I'm thinking about things mm-hmm. and what I'm telling myself? Because as we think, that's how we end up feeling, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, you know, def- definitely we look at, with the medical model, it's more of a passive approach. You do it to me as... It, in the psychology field, we're saying, hey, no, there's tools that you can do. I come alongside like a coach and help you with the tools and you implement them. And, you know, it may not be overnight because just like going to the gym, hey, I tried it once, you know, it didn't work. It's you build over time. You have to do the work. And yeah, there's some effort into it. And in our culture, a lot of times people want a little bit more of a passive, easier approach, but it doesn't get you the skills, you know, that you do when you're starting to work on um, how I approach things, making more resilient to depression and anxiety. So there's tools and skills 
and changing your perspective. There's a time and a place for medication, you know, um, for some people that have some underlying medical conditions like um, thyroid issues that can mimic uh, and add to depression, anxiety issues, um, things like that. Yeah. So you want to rule that kind of thing out. But um, aside from that, you know, the, you know, there's very hopeful and successful things that can um, happen when you use psychotherapy. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome, Cynthia. And I would imagine you're up to speed on telehealth. So if, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you from the East Coast, you're in beautiful Carlsbad. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some locals here, but um, East Coast, West Coast, it doesn't matter. You're, you would be available for like FaceTime calls or your, your virtual type of assistance is there and ready? Yeah, so with um, telehealth, yeah, I'm absolutely able to um, give therapy. The, the, what the guidelines are for in the field of psychology is you are able to give therapy for the people who are in the state of California. Okay. And, um, but, you know, some people who I see, they may be abroad at the moment, but they actually live, reside here. So sometimes I see people who are in different places, but you're supposed to do for, you know, give therapy for the, to the state of the people that, the state that you're licensed in. Okay. Yeah. But if I'm in New York and I just want to use your services. Absolutely. We can FaceTime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. What, what should you leave us with to encourage our audience that is going through layoffs? Um, that's just, you know, what can we be doing mentally to kind of... Or even if they're just stuck in, in a rut thinking that they, it's their responsibility yeah. to dig their business out of this hole. Yeah. It's all going to fall on them. Yeah, mm-hmm. like lasting, like your last comments on this. Well, I guess my last cl- comments on this would be that... Um, for people who are struggling and trying to, you know, maybe they're in the midst of just a lot of turmoil. You know, everyone is in different ways today. But um, I would say the main things are if you look at your, your life as you're in a, a robo and you want to go forward, you know, you need two oars to go forward. You need the cognitive, which is the thoughts, what you're telling yourself, and the behavior. If you just use one, you're going to go around in a circle. And if you use the other, just the other circle, you know. Um, but you need both to go straight and forward. And so uh, behavior and thoughts is important. So that means do the behavioral things of planning your day, planning your day as if you are not feeling depressed or anxious, which is tough, but doing the things that, um, including the things in your life. I think this is key that I always tell people to start with is you know doing things that um, give you a sense of pleasure, even when you feel like there's so many other things I need to be doing, you know? Pleasure, um, connecting with people who are positive and encouraging something that gives you a sense of accomplishment today, move your body physically, and do a spiritual practice. If you're not really religious, you can do gratitude, but if you are, um, you can, you know, read your sacred scriptures, you know, you can pray, you can meditate. Key, you know, these things that research has shown, these are the natural antidepressants, anti-anxiety things. They don't don't cost money, really. and then the other thing, when I said about the thought, you know, just if you're having a challenge with anxious thoughts or depressive thoughts or something like that, the one thing you can do is capture that thought, you know, take it captive. It says in the Bible, you know, take your thought captive, but you, this is just a truth anywhere, is that you capture that thought, write it down, and then ask yourself, um, is there any evidence that does not support this thought. So then you can begin to incline your brain, the other part, activate the other side of your brain that starts maybe challenging that negative perspective or anxious or fearful perspective. And then I would say read, take some time to read. Um, This is a perfect time to do some bibliotherapy because it's not threatening, no one's telling you anything, and it's it's low cost, you know, if you wanna do that. Um, Listen to good podcasts like this, 
And there's another great podcast that I really love from a mentor of mine who I've uh, learned over the years, who's really popularized cognitive therapy, and is Dr. David Burns, and his podcast is called The Feeling Good Podcast. Amazing stuff on there. Take time to meditate, you know, just be peaceful and quiet, relaxed, and just develop a, a relaxation practice, like yeah. yoga or something. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, this blessed me, I'm sure our audience. So thank you so much, You're Dr. Welcome. Cynthia Chapman. And we'll leave all of her resources um, in our show notes. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to the Talent of Fashion Sessions podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation and that you'll subscribe. Please go ahead and share it with friends in the industry and make sure to follow us on LinkedIn. We also have an app where you can stay up to date with open positions and other trends in the industry. Go ahead to the app store and download it now as Talent of Fashion app. We thank you and we look forward to having you join future episodes.